Today, everyone, I have Lisa Fabrega. She is a leadership coach who helps ambitious people expand their capacity to handle more growth, wealth, and success. For more than 10 years, she has helped entrepreneurs, corporate executives, Academy Award nominees, and Nobel Prize organization candidates break through boundaries that have been holding them back for the next level. I am so excited for this conversation. Welcome, Lisa. Thank you. I'm excited to talk too. So how did you, I always like to, like, that's the great formal intro, but how did you find yourself doing what you're doing? Like, this is very cool and very niched. And, and I think that having, you're almost like an accountability for, for someone reaching that higher level. You're, you're a business coach. You're someone that can see potential that maybe they can't see in themselves. How did you find yourself um, doing this? Yeah. So honestly, it's been a journey of 12 years (laughs) working with over 74,000 people that has led me to this. When I first started, I was actually a nutrition coach and quickly realized that my clients were not talking to me about nutrition after about three sessions. And we were talking about issues they were having in their capacity, blind spots that were holding them back from creating what they wanted to move to their next level. I was working with a lot of very ambitious people who were in like corporate executive roles or who had their own businesses or uh, people who were, you know, wanting to start a business and were very ambitious and had big goals. Um, And so I noticed quickly, you know, if if we really just follow the breadcrumbs that get put in front of us and really allow our work to evolve and pay attention to the patterns that are emerging in our clients and the same things that keep coming up over and over again, that became what I created, which is my capacity framework. And I realized that what I was actually helping people do was not really even coaching them on their businesses, but more coaching them on how they were showing up as a CEO, how they were showing up to the things they were trying to create. And if they even were the person who could actually receive those big opportunities they were trying to create because you can have all the strategies, but if you are not that person or you've got a blind spot that you're not aware of, that's pushing the the result that strategy will bring you away, we've got a problem. You have to align your capacity to receive what you want with the strategy that you have. And uh, it's, that's interesting because how do you even find that? How did, I feel like that would take, that's, that's got to be a process, right? To get to know someone, because I feel like that's not just as simple of you meeting me for coffee and being like, all right, this is your <laughs> weak points. And because it's taken me years, I still feel like I'm figuring myself out and growing. And actually the biggest growth I feel like I've had is, is understanding my weaknesses, my, where my capacity lines are, where my boundaries are. Yeah. Um, and, and so did you find that a lot of people crossing those boundaries actually came to you for nutrition because their health was suffering? Like, how did you, yeah back yourself into that. Like, that's what I feel like it probably is, right? Yeah. The, the food and the nutrition stuff was just a symptom of a greater issue going on. Um, and so in terms of how do you find those blind spots? Well, first of all, that's what I, my zone of genius is. I can sit down with you and within 10 minutes know exactly what your blind spot is. I can. And when I work with people, I have a quiz that I have them take that literally will tell them what their blind spot is. I have six areas of blind spots. I call them capacity deficits um, that people tend to struggle with. And after working with so many people, I know those six areas like the back of my hand. And I can tell quickly when someone's talking to me and complaining about an issue they're having, that they're plateaued and they can't get their revenue to go beyond a certain point, or they can't even, they don't want to grow 
bigger because they're already so overwhelmed. They think growing means doubling what they're already overwhelmed with, or, you know, they're having issues in their marriage because work takes up all their time or whatever. I can tell just from knowing what, hearing what's going on with them, what's really going on. And what's really funny is when people work with me and they take what I call the capacity quiz, they're always shocked by the results because they always think it's one thing, but it's something else entirely underlying it. So uh, that's why that's the nature of our blind spots too. The reason it's called a blind spot is because we can't, we can't see it. (laughs) Right. So we need people who are good at pointing those things out to us to show us like, actually, you think that you can't grow to seven figures because you're already overwhelmed at multiple six. And so you're kind of like resisting and then you're complaining that your revenue has been stagnated, but actually it's because deep down inside, you think you can't grow to seven figures without doubling a workload that already feels too much to you to handle. And the answer is that's not the answer. You shouldn't have to double your workload. So now we have to go back and look at your blind spots in the areas of your structures and your business, the blind spots in the areas of your boundaries. Do you have visibility fears? And really, it's not that you are afraid of getting overwhelmed, but you're afraid of being more seen. And that's the real blind spot going on. So that's kind of an example of what I'm talking about. Well, let me ask you then, what are the six main areas in which people tend to hold themselves back? Yeah. So um, I've I've gathered these, like I said, I have worked with over 74,000 people at this point in my career. So I have seen a lot of patterns (laughs) and I have split them into six areas where I notice that ambitious people are running into issues with. The first one is money. The second is visibility. The third is purpose. The fourth is what I call embodiment. And embodiment is your ability to navigate all the new challenges that come at every next level you step into, because every level is a whole other challenge that you've not ever had to deal with before. So it requires more capacity of you to deal with it. And then we have structures and boundaries. And those are the six areas that I notice people run into issues with and the six blind spots that can really hold you back from being able to grow to your next level. I feel like there's probably like, uh, there's not always one, right? There's multiple. Um, And a lot of these (laughs) piggyback on each other. I mean- um, cause I can just think of, of my life and my journey. And if I, I can zone in on each of these actually, um, mm-hmm. and I can identify with each of them in different seasons of my life and different businesses and, and, and different ways. I mean, um, in each of those, right. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you're, if you're struggling, feeling like financially, you, you don't feel free, right. Uh, businesses suffering changes, uh, COVID just different lifestyle structures, just all the different things, right. You kind of lose visibility, uh, you don't want to embody those different things and the challenges that come with that uh, structures. You quit kind of analyzing like all the different things, right? So I feel like it's it's they all kind of work together, even though probably one is governing um, the main issue at the time. Yes, exactly. Well, one thing I say when I teach uh, the capacity framework to people is that our capacities, each one of us has a different combination of different blind spots, right? And certain areas are bigger than others. So I call that your capacity code, right? It's your own unique, it's like a fingerprint. But then all of these areas, like you said, they're intertwined deeply. So just like you said, if you're not making enough money or you feel like you're stuck at a revenue plateau, it may not be that you have money beliefs that you need to work through. It may be actually that you have a visibility blind spot and you're terrified of people, of more people fully seeing you and your work in the world. And so what happens if you're not putting yourself out there consistently, 
because you have a visibility issue, then you're not going to make as much money because we make more money the more we put ourselves out there and the more we show up. Or if you have a team that can't take you to your next level, that you've got to get rid of some people on your team and hire people that are capable of taking your business to the next level, that's going to impact your money too. Or if you have bad boundaries and you have clients that are stepping all over you. I was just counseling a client of mine who has a very successful seven figure business, but she literally is to the point where she's working all the time because she's always fitting in clients, you know, for last minute conversations on days that she's not supposed to be having client conversations. So she never has any time for anything. So that impacts your money-making ability because the CEO needs to be able to focus on things other than delivery. They've got to focus on marketing. They've got to focus on the vision of the company. And if you don't have any boundaries that your clients are just totally overrunning your schedule, when are you supposed to have time to grow your business and bring more revenue in? So all of these things are very intertwined. I always say it's like a fabric with, with each area being like a thread that makes up that fabric. Amen, Lisa. Like this is just so speaking my language. And one of the things that I loved with looking through your stuff and your work is you really talk about energy and power. And I I talk about that. I embody it. I mean, we're all these energetic beings and we're either doing things that are fueling our energy or draining it. Yeah. Um, And it might be, you know, it might be something that we're in a season where we just have to kind of get through something that's just kind of draining us, but if it becomes a pattern, then you need to make a change. Right. But um, I'm so interested in in what you say, like some like, I think that a lot of us have things that are subconsciously draining Mm -hmm. our energy and our time. And ultimately time is our biggest asset. I always say, and I feel like the one thing that I I'm gifted in is I see the world in systems, which has its pros Mm -hmm. and its cons, but I do that. And so I feel like I'm pretty efficient with my time, Mm -hmm. um, because I, I have to be very calculated and planned out and timed and in a routine, I kind of thrive, mm-hmm. but there also are things I have to constantly look at my life and audit. Like planning is not just looking forward. It's like looking back, like what is subconsciously draining me? What is draining yeah. my energy, my power, my being like the alignment where I'm supposed to go. Um, talk to me about that. I'm just kind of curious your thoughts on that and how you kind of look at that with your clients. Um, cause I feel like for everyone, it's probably different. It is different. I think that we can get drained in each one of these six areas that we just talked about. But I think the biggest thing is, well, there's two things. Number one, we've got to look at our boundaries when it comes to having our power drained. Because a lot of times we think of boundaries as these walls that we set up with people like, no, you can't, you know, like Gandalf, like you shall not pass as Lord of the Rings, right? But boundaries are so much more than that. You know, first of all, the way I define boundaries is that boundaries are little requests we make to the universe that tell it what we are and are not available for. And that's a much kinder, gentler way of describing a boundary because I think some people are afraid to set boundaries because they view them as mean, you know, or they're like a wall and they don't want to have a wall up. Um, But the other thing about boundaries that we don't hear a lot of people talk about is that boundaries are not just for other people. Boundaries are things that we set with ourselves too. And that's where I see a lot of people draining power is that, they don't set appropriate boundaries with themselves. And so, for example, this is where boundaries gets to weave into something like embodiment, which is um, our ability or emotional, you know, mental ability to deal with challenges. Um, If I keep letting myself have like what I call a doom spiral of thoughts, 
at four o'clock in the morning every night worrying about something in my business and I don't stop my brain from going there and I don't learn how to do that, that's draining a lot of energy and power from me. And it doesn't do anything for me to sit there and spiral out at four o'clock in the morning worrying about something in my business. I had this happen to me for a year where this was happening. And I learned that there's actually a part of our brains at that time of night that keeps us from going overboard with scary thoughts. And it's actually shut off at that time of night. So that's why people have a lot of panic attacks during that time of night. And when I learned that, I set a really hard boundary with myself. And I said, I am not going to allow myself to go down that path if I notice it happening, because it's literally a, a part of my brain that's shut off. So when I would wake up in the morning, I'd be like, why was I thinking those things? That's not so scary. <laughs> but then I'd be exhausted all day. And that would affect my work performance because I'd had this panic attack at three o'clock in the morning. And then in the light of day, it seems so stupid and silly. Um, so I started setting that boundary with myself. And when I would start to do that at three o'clock in the morning, I would remind myself, hey, the part of your brain that would shut this down isn't turned on right now. So you can't trust any of these thoughts. And I would redirect and I would go back to sleep. Um, another place where we need to set better boundaries with ourselves is our schedules and our structures, right? So this is where it weaves into structural capacity. Um, I have a lot of clients that are neurodivergent and they have ADD or ADHD. And a lot of people will say, I'm so restricted by a schedule. I just want to be free. And I'm like, actually, it doesn't work that way. Because if you wake up in the morning, especially if you have ADD and ADHD, and honestly, a lot of entrepreneurs have this and don't even realize this is it. Lisa, Lisa, like, I feel like you are speaking to me. <laughs> I am, okay, so I am ADD and I, I have too. a company called Start Planner. And the reason being is I thrive in structure. I thrive in yes. planning. I've had to rebuild my routines. So you sitting there saying a lot of people like I, I, th I have to have it. If I yes. don't plan it out, if I'm not writing it down, I'm squirrel. Yeah. And so and I thrive. We all do. We thrive in progress. Right. Yeah. So yeah. like you are speaking to me right now. <laughs> <laughs> no, I have ADD and ADHD too. And the problem is when we, the, where we run into structural issues that drain our power and our energy is that either we're like too loose and have no structure at all. Because we're like, I just want to be free. Like this structure restricts me. But actually what happens is you wake up in the morning and all of a sudden there's no plan. And what happens? You get so overwhelmed because you're like, oh, there's a million things I need to do. Which ones do I do today? And especially if you have ADD, ADHD, that just shuts you completely down. So you know what you do? You go and watch Netflix for five hours instead of getting, any, <laughs> instead of getting anything done, right? Or you do a million little things that have nothing to do with the things you actually need to get done that week to move your business forward. So that's one thing that happens. Or the other way I see us draining our power is that we think we have to schedule ourselves like other people do. But for example, for me, I have ADD, ADHD, and I need to take advantage of the fact that I can hyper-focus and I have a very hard time switching context in a day. So I can't go from like writing newsletters to working on something totally less creative. It's very hard for me to turn my brain around. That's an actual thing that happens with people who have neurodivergence. And so for years, I was trying to make myself fit into like the way my coaches had their schedules and it wasn't working for me. And I would like not get anything done or something would take me twice as long to complete. And then I realized actually what works best for me and the, 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 the quirks of my brain 
is like, I need to have all my phone calls on one day. That's it. Yep. So every Monday, phone calls, power through with your hyper-focus. <laughs> yep. And, and I'm the, I am the exact same way. And I had to, I had to learn that. And I basically time block and schedule out. It's what I teach Lisa. Yeah. It's time blocking and yeah. scheduling out so that you're efficient. And also, so your brain is staying on that same way. Yes. And for me, I also am more creative in the morning. So if I'm going to do creative stuff, yes. I know my windows. So I schedule my day out in alignment for what works for me. Um, exactly. so, and that's something that like, you know, we're taught, this is what we're supposed to do. And, and also as an entrepreneur, we're not told what to do in a schedule to do it. And even so many people working from home now, like that's hard for a lot of people because they need that routine. They need that um, and it took me years to develop, like, this is the routine that kind of works for me. And even realizing going through different seasons of my life, shifting my routines, because right. as you did, I, I, there was many a nights, like I, I couldn't turn my brain off. So I had to come up with a new routine that would help me to wind my brain down at night so that I wasn't. So that's part of why I write things down at night so that I'm not thinking or calculating. And, and honestly, I do wake up. We all do. We wake up with these thoughts and these emotions or whatever. Some of them are bullshit. Sorry. I'm saying it. Some of them yeah. are like, it's our brain lying to us. And, but other things are brilliant. So like being able to write it down, if I don't write it down, like actually I go to a gym now and, um, it's a very structured content. And I love it because I walk in, they tell me what to do, how to do it. Like my brain turns off. Mm -hmm. And the crazy part about it is, is I literally am thinking of the most creative genius feel like aha moments while I'm working out. And like, I will sometimes run to my phone and text myself because I don't want to forget, uh, you know what I'm saying? But sometimes just having that knowing like, this is what helps you to actually think and rest and restore and having those, those downtimes or something. And we're all different. So, um, I love that. I love it. Yeah, absolutely. We are going to take a quick little break to hear a word from our sponsor. This podcast is brought to you by startplanner.com your tool for a more organized life. Featured in Forbes, Entrepreneur, and Inc.com, Start Planner was created to meet the demands of today's busy lifestyle, helping you to plan, execute, and organize every aspect of your life in one concise system. Align schedules, to-dos, finances, health, wellness, goal setting, and clear action steps to all work together and drive results. Learn more at startplanner.com. One of the next questions actually that's on your interview sheet and another thing that's very interesting and very aligned with, uh, where I am in the season of my life is, um, why does even some visible people step out of the spotlight? Why do they, and how can they even get back into it or should they even get back into it? Yeah. I mean, I've worked with people at all levels of visibility and I have worked with some people who were sitting, who had sat on Oprah's couch who were having visibility issues. And I think it's, I think it's a variety of things. But I think, like I said, you know, we're used to a certain level of visibility, but we know that we want to grow further and we want to take our businesses or our careers to another level. And sometimes that means we have to increase our visibility. But what happens every time we go to another level of our growth, new fears come up. And so you may have been fine being visible to 100,000 people, but now that you're visible to a million people, new fears around what that visibility means come up. And I think, you know, especially one thing I can never leave out of this conversation is, you know, if you're a woman of color or a person of color, there's a whole other level of danger to that added onto that, that we have to consider. 
And so I think one of the biggest things is that we are afraid of people rejecting us, that we're afraid that people will think we're weird, that people will think, um, you know, that we're going to get negative comments from people, that we're going to mess up in public and say the wrong thing. And so that's where we can start to step out of the spotlight and not want to increase our visibility. But this is really based on really outdated models of what a good leader is. And that's one of the things that I try to tell my clients a lot. We have been taught that a good leader is a person that knows all the answers, is never wrong, is always perfect, and doesn't mess up ever. And that is simply untrue. It, that is, and, and what happens is when we compare ourselves to that model and think that to be a good leader, that we have to be perfect and always know all the answers and never need to ask somebody and never mess up and always be perfect. That's a lot of pressure to put on yourself, especially as your visibility and your spotlight is getting brighter and your visibility is increasing. And so one of the first things we have to do is just completely eliminate this idea of leadership as a model. Like that is not leadership. That's not leadership. That's posturing. That's performance. Good leaders actually are imperfect. They ask for help. They share that they don't know something and they need to go research it. They might say, you know, I don't know that. Let me go research it and I'll come back to you on that. And good leaders are also okay with messing up in public. And they don't get defensive about it either. They own it. They say, yeah, I messed up. I'm going to do better now. And they do better. The problem is that we're terrified of messing up in public because we have shame. It's because of shame. And shame is something that I think is the most useless emotion on the planet. I think it serves no purpose. I think guilt is a good emotion to have. I think we need to feel remorse about things. But shame feels so horrible to people that that's when people get defensive because they're shame, they're, they feel ashamed. And the shame is so hard to feel in their bodies that they go into defense mode and start attacking and accusing other people. Whereas if we just stopped shaming ourselves for not being perfect and we're more loving to ourselves and realize, hey, you know what? I am going to mess up. I'm going to accept from now that I'm going to do some big snafus in public. And if I don't let myself shame myself, I could say, you know what? I messed up. I love myself anyway. It's okay. I'm going to do better. I'm going to apologize if I messed up and I'm going to learn from this experience and keep growing. I think if we could have that attitude towards ourselves, we wouldn't be so afraid of messing up or not being seen as perfect, and we wouldn't be forcing ourselves to live up to this standard. So I think that's one of the big reasons why people can step out of the spotlight or reduce their visibility is because this thing is underlying all of our decisions and we don't even realize it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's just so interesting. And I think that, so I have went from where I was very public. Um, I felt like I was in the spotlight and I'll even authentically say in seasons of my life, um, I even use that to pour myself more into work mm -hmm. to maybe even fill voids, mm -hmm. if that makes any sense. Um, I'll authentically say that I'll own that. Um, there's the one thing that I will be is, is vulnerable and I'd have no problem saying that mm -hmm. now I feel like I struggle of, um, my purpose, my calling, my light, the good aspects of me sharing that versus, not wanting to share that to, to shield, mm -hmm. to, to, if that makes any sense. So I feel like I'm like constantly on this battle of, um, am I just meant to be in a season of, of listening? 
yeah. of learning. And I think that that's finding that balance and just being, yeah. so I, I took three months off. I took, you know, I took steps, way big steps back and finding those right boundaries for myself. Um, you know, and I think I have certain people or certain, certain things that, you know, you try not to let affect you. Um, but to, it makes them feel a certain way. Yeah. I think and ultimately it's, that's kind of, you have to separate, is that on them or is that on me? Cause I don't feel like I'm, I'm doing, you know what I'm right. saying? Any sense? No, I love that you're saying this because I'll give you a great personal example. I recently lost 62 pounds and I don't like talking about it because it's none of Congrats any. Congrats to you. Thanks. It, but that's the thing is like, for me, it's not even a thing to be congratulated for. It's just something that happened. It's where my body is in this season of life. Like you said, right. And I, and I don't need to talk about it. And I've been, I don't know if you've seen Adele's interviews, but she's like, why is everybody talking about my weight loss? It's the least interesting thing about me. And I don't want to talk about it. And so I found out that there was a group of women in a Facebook group talking trash about me because I wasn't talking about my weight loss. And they thought that was, you know, deceitful or whatever. And I'm like, why? Like, why, why is my weight loss anybody's business? I don't care to talk about it. It's not a topic I think is even interesting. I don't want to reinforce this societal idea that it's somehow more virtuous to be thin or lose weight. Like I literally don't even care. It's not something I want to talk about. So that's a good example of other people's stuff has nothing to do with me and how people think that because you're a public figure that you owe it to talk about everything with them, right? No, we don't. Yep. We don't. Yep. And we have the right to keep certain things about our lives private to ourselves. Like I don't post my relationships. I don't post pictures of my friends on social media because they, we don't want their privacy violated like that. Um, yep. so I think that's I've, a great, I've pulled back and posting from about my relationships. I used to, yeah. and I think that's now an expectation and maybe that's my fault. Well, um, and maybe it's even an expectation that I maybe, maybe even pressure I put on myself thinking I should or whatever, but I don't feel like I owe anyone anything no. and the things that I post now, are things that I authentically want to post. Right. Um, so it's just this b weird like balance in my head that, that sometimes I maybe just need to, like you said, give myself grace. Um, yeah. Because I, 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 I feel like I'm, I'm here for a purpose. And as a single woman, you know, I feel called to help make, making sure other people know that they can stand on their own two feet. Yeah. And if that makes any sense, right. but I also equally like feel like when I post some things, I feel like a fraud because what? I'm like, I'm posting this great thing that happened, but there, there's so much in between that was so hard. And so like that, but I would never even be able to articulate to, to make sense. And, and this person that helped and that person. So I don't even know if I fully give them justice. And I also don't want X, Y, Z that I'm trying to inspire to make them feel less today. Right. So, well, but, so they look at me and feel less and th that it does a negative thing. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes sense. But that's also part of like, that's the balance. I think, I think what you're saying is so important. I have this blind spot and I had been crying all day the day before because it was so hard to see that in myself. And I felt embarrassed and I felt bad that I had hurt somebody with that blind spot. And I, I posted that just to say, like, I do the same work I teach y'all and this work never ends. And it doesn't matter how much money you make or how well known you are, or how many followers you have. This is what you're going to be dealing with until you die. And you bet your booty that I still wrote newsletters with tears streaming down my face and did what I had to do for my business that day. And that is having capacity. So I post things like that so that people know 
that like, I am not above you. I don't know more than you. Like, obviously I do know some things more than you because you're hiring me to help you, but it's not like I have achieved peak capacity and there's nothing else for me to work on. So I think we can do a balance of like posting it things that we're excited about. And it's not up, like, I think if we're being balanced, like I'm posting things I'm excited about, I'm posting things that don't go so great all the time. And by the way, this is really exciting. And there was a lot of hard work that went into this. And I just think being honest about the whole spectrum of the experience without necessarily having to share things that feel private um, is a good balance to have because then you know that if you post something you're excited about and it makes someone feel less than, that has nothing to do with you. That's their stuff. Because you're being honest about the fact that you are an imperfect leader and you're always working on stuff too. And you're working on stuff just like they are. Yep. And I think it's the people, right, that that kind of see us. Yeah. Um, and this is probably what you are for a lot of people. It's it's the people that truly see us. Mm-hmm. That that it actually sometimes frustrates us that it, they see us. Mm-hmm. Because it's like, no. But then but when you really think about it and you're open to that growth, you're like, they're kind of right. Right. I need to... I, here's my blind spot. I, here's where I could fix this. Here's where I could change. Here's where maybe I could grow. Yep. Um, but it's being able to detach and, and it's not, it's just like when you read a book, you read a book and you don't consume that entire book and become the model of that book. You read it, take it. What, what works for your life, your personality, yourself. And I think that, um, I just, I love that. I love that advice. And, uh, I think that the emotional labor that we put on ourselves, that burden is probably the biggest thing that determines like what we're doing, how we're feeling, the productivity level, where we're going. Does that make sense? Oh, absolutely. Emotional labor is one of those things that drains us because we're trying to take care of way too many people's feelings. I don't want to make people feel this way. I don't want to make people feel that way. How's that person perceiving this? And it's like, you know what? Don't take that upon yourself. Have responsibility for yourself and how you want to show up. You know, I, um, you know, speaking about the weight loss again, which is hilarious because I don't like speaking about it, but it's coming up twice in this conversation. But, you know, I had two ex-clients get super triggered by it for some reason. I don't know why, it's their stuff. And to, and both of them posted really passive aggressive things under posts of mine during the period where like new pictures of me came out. And so then it was visible, you know? And it was really funny because like there was one post that I did where I posted about something totally unrelated to me, my body, like it was like a post about a business thing. And one of those ex-clients came in and wrote under the post, like, inner beauty is much more important than outer beauty. And I'm like, what? What does this have to do with this post? Never, never said it wasn't. You know, it's like, I'm not even, I'm not even sharing about it because I don't want to even validate the difference in that. Like, that doesn't even matter. Exactly. Yeah. Whatever. It's your body. Do whatever you want with it. And And that's, that's an example of like, it's not my responsibility to worry about how her personal triggers are interacting with my content. And when we do that, we train ourselves. And then we wonder why we feel burned out all the time. And I think ultimately, like, we're all on different journeys, different paths, different stories, different upbringings, different timing. And if it's, it's on someone to, to, if they're looking at your social media, they're looking at your, and they're, they're using their energy to drain how they feel, Mm -hmm. you know, that's, that's like you said, that's on them. And I think that ultimately 
what I want to embody and for people to understand and, and listen is I hope that you can pull a bit of information that you can apply to your life to make your life better. That's why I'm here. That's why I do what I do. That's why I go through the headache and the hassle of all the things I do with, with, uh, creating products, online brands, inventory, having warehouses, all, all, you know, creating this podcast, creating this content. That's why I do what I do because ultimately my desire and my purpose for, for knowing this is what I meant to do is bigger than that negative voice or that, that false, even story that I'm telling myself that maybe it is hurting someone or making them feel less or feeling like they can't do. And, you know, um, I think ultimately a lot of times we have expectations for our, ourselves, and we're the hardest on ourselves. Yes, absolutely. Well, Lisa, where can everyone find you, your website, your social media, and more information about what you offer? Yeah. So you can find me across all channels, LinkedIn, Pinterest, Instagram, Facebook, at Lisa Fabrega. And my website is lisafabrega.com. There's a free little video you can get on my website um, if you sign up for my email list, which asks you some really good, powerful questions to help you start identifying what those blind spots that are limiting your capacity to receive your next level might be. Um, and that's where you can find me. Thank you so much for this candid, open conversation. I think that this was just um, inspiring. I think it's something that anyone that listens to this can relate to. Uh, we all have blind spots. We all, no matter the season, I think should be open to growth because that's, that's life. We're yeah. constantly growing and learning and being influenced by other people. So thanks for finding your calling and your, your passion and being able to share it with us here today in the world. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Uh, absolutely. And you guys, we will be back next week with another episode. You can find any links discussed in this podcast in the description below. If you like this episode, please leave us a review and hit the subscribe button. It helps us so much. You can listen on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, or Spotify. We are here weekly with brand new episodes. See you guys soon.